Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. If you'd open up to John chapter 8, and I'm going to just read one verse, and then I'm going to touch on the context of the entire chapter. But I want to read one verse, and we are launching a series, and we haven't done that too much around here the last couple of years that we've been pastoring, uh, but we really felt led to be intentional about that in the beginning of the year, and so we're starting a series called A New Day, and are you thankful that His mercies are new every morning? Are you thankful for a new year? There's something nice about just starting fresh, right? And uh, we're going to just talk about the implications of that and understanding what heaven says about uh, the, the way that we should live and the way that we should think about ourselves, the way that we should see him in the light that there's a new day arising, there's a new people rising, and uh, we are that people of God. Amen? Amen. So we're going to read John chapter 8. This is such a powerful verse, and these are the words of Jesus. And uh, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but as a younger Christian, I began to memorize scriptures, but I just would memorize a verse and I didn't really know the context of the verse. So there are some verses that, you know, like uh, where the Bible says Satan is the father of lies, and which is actually in this chapter. And, and uh, you know, we'll just say something like that, but not knowing the context. How many know what I mean? And, and this is one of those verses, and we're going to talk about the context. But I'm going to read John chapter 8, verse 12. And uh, I believe I'm going to read it here in the New King James Version. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for a new year. We honor you. We love you. And we just pray that you'd bless this, uh, the next few moments here. And that we could just uh, hear your heart for us as a people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, there's something about a change of season that's it's always bittersweet. How many know what I'm talking about? Um, like the, the snow's coming, but it's Christmas. And so it's like the tree will get you through. Who keeps their tree up through, all throughout winter? Come on, somebody. Uh, you guys have been living here for a while. I, I've only been here for a couple of years, so you can pray that I have grace to endure the season. Hallelujah. We've already booked our vacation. We've learned that. We book it at the end of uh, February, and we've already booked the vacation. And, and so that helps us. We're like, oh, we're, we, if we could just make it to vacation day, we come back and things start changing. But how many know there, there's a change of season, change of temperature? Uh, my mom came to visit last week, and she was here, um, and she was planning on being here for our Christmas Eve Eve services, which were unfortunately canceled, um, but uh, she came, and she decided to come out a day early. She lives in near Denver, Colorado, because she used to be a flight attendant, and she knows how to watch the weather, um, and you know, when things shift, uh, flights get canceled, and, and bad things can happen. And then it messes up your entire holiday plan. So she decided to come out a day early. Good thing 
uh, because the next day a bunch of flights were canceled. And in Denver, I think the temperature was in the 60s or 50s, and then it dropped down to like negative 10 uh, because of that storm that hit all across the country. And so how many know there are changes of seasons that sometimes can affect the way that we exist, right? The way that we live. And um, I noticed that as it got cold, I have a heater in my office that's on an automatic, uh, it has a thermostat. It's an old school heater, but it's a good heater, praise God. Any heater is a good heater, no matter how old it is. Like I can have one of those little tiny room heaters, the old metal ones. I love those, man. They're just, they're cozier than a regular heater for some reason. Um, but I noticed that I, I came into my office just the other day. Excuse me. I came into my office and I pick up my guitar and can I have some water, sweetie? I'm choking. No big deal though, guys. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm up here choking. Yeah. Happy New Year, Pastor. Ha <laughs> ha, choke. <clears throat> Ushers, can I get some water? <clears throat> All right. <coughs> Praise God. So I walk into my office and I grab my guitar because I like to play my guitar and worship in, in my office just by myself. And, and I strum it and it sounds horrible. I mean, it was like, it was disgusting. And it's a really nice guitar. And at first my heart sank. I'm like, what will I do? This is like my battle axe, right? And, uh, and I realized because it was close to the heat, the change of temperature affect the tension on the strings and it messed up the sound. And, uh, and, and I was thinking about that. I'm like, it's just like changes of season. Sometimes we don't realize that they can affect the way that we exist. And, and I, what I learned was I quickly needed to put more tension on the guitar strings See, sometimes we're so afraid of tension, but we don't realize without tension on an instrument, there's no way it can release the sound that it was created to make. You know, I was even thinking about this recently that we always think the promised land means no more battles. But how many know, and those of you that know the Bible really well, you can count if you'd like. I don't know the number, but I'm pretty sure there was more battles in the promised land than there was in the wilderness. And how many know it took a people that had faith and courage to see what was in the promised land? And even though there were people in that company that said that we're with you and we're going to go all the way, how many know it doesn't mean that they're going to make it through the whole journey into the promise? And there's something about learning that, that we can live in a way that we live in this new day. And his mercies are new every morning. But what does it mean to have, to walk in, step into a new year, step into a new day? And I, I think about the, you know, New Year's resolution every year. And I, I think it's healthy to have goals. I think it's healthy to sometimes write things down. I like that, you know, and, and pray into that and, and write out scriptures. Like you might have a vision or goal for your family, but I think New Year's resolutions are good, but I think a new day's revelation is better. Amen. And the revelation that I want to talk about today is the revelation that Jesus is the light of life. And as we follow him, we will not walk in darkness. You know, just because there's a fight and we go through things, it doesn't mean that we've been forsaken. 
Just because there's a battle, it doesn't mean that we're not entering into the promise. And this is a new day and a new year. I remember in school writing out the new date and then scratching it off because we forget that we're in a new year. And I think there's some old habits that the Lord wants to break off of us that we can have a new day revelation. And the revelation that I want to talk to you about is the, what the Father says about you and I as his people. How he sees us is how we see ourselves in the mirror. And there is a, a revelation of his love and heart to us that is unfolding and unending. It doesn't just come in one moment of time, but it comes on a journey of, of a lifetime of the Father's love that he has for us, the love of the triune God that he has for humanity. I saw a picture during worship, uh, and I thought of the, the verse in Zephaniah 3.17 where the Lord says, I will spin about under a violent emotion. I will rejoice over you with singing. Like during worship, I saw the Lord rejoicing, the, the Father, the Son, the Spirit rejoicing over us. And as he did, I saw chains breaking off of his people. And it was like the revelation that he's, that he's just so in love with us and the revelation that he's smiling over us, the revelation that he's not disappointed at us. And, and he breaks the sound that comes against us, the sounds, the whispers, the words, the lies, the whisper of I am not. He breaks those sounds and he says, yes, you are. And he smiles over us. And I literally saw change breaking as the Lord rejoiced and sang and quiet us with his love. And I want to encourage you this first day, and again, we commend everybody that's here because I told some people in the forest, I said, you know, the real test if you love Jesus is if you come to church on New Year's Day. Come on, somebody. And uh, I mean, it's the same thing with Christmas Day. We didn't have church, and it's the first time we've ever done that as pastors in 13 plus years. But it was enjoyable. I don't, did you guys enjoy the online service? Wasn't that a nice time? Four of you did. Okay. Praise God. <laughs> I take back everything that I said. No, I'm kidding. I love how Jesus in this context with his encounter with the woman caught in adultery, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. And there's something about how Jesus stoops down into our mess and our dirt and our filth and he rewrites our history. He rewrites our story and we may be on a path and we think the story's going to end one way. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm here to rewrite your story and wipe the slate clean because it's a new day. Amen. Because he's the light of life. And at the beginning of the chapter, you know, Jesus, it says that uh, he went to the Mount of Olives because he often would spend time in his father's presence. Then he came down and he began to teach and so Jesus comes, and often you see this pattern where Jesus and the Father being one, but even Jesus being fully God and fully man, he was responsible to spend time with his Father to get his heart in harmony with his Father in his humanity. And he would come down, and he would, just like Moses would go up and uh, on Mount Sinai, he came down and his face was shining. Jesus would come and just, just shine his light and his love to a broken humanity. Amen. 
and he's teaching, and then his teaching is interrupted by a spirit of religiosity, by a spirit of accusation, by a spirit that's not of God. And it was flowing through people. You know, there's something to be said about accusations through people that Jesus is powerful enough to break the accuser and the accusation over our lives. And that would include words that are spoken to us that are contrary to our nature and our destiny. And in order for us to walk in the new day, we have to hear what God says about us. And sometimes we'll even try to drown out those lying whispers that we are not enough or we're not or we're something else. We'll drown it out with our own noise. But if we tune in and listen, we'll hear the Father's heart. So Jesus comes down, is teaching, interrupted. And then they, they find a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. I, I, I mean, if you really look at the text of John chapter 8, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a demonstration of the gospel. The demonstration of the gospel is the very person and the work of Christ. The whole story of Jesus, everything he did, what he did, what he's done, what he's accomplished, but also his life, how he lived, the way that he touched lepers, the way that he uh, you know, said, hey, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. We're going to party today. Come on, somebody. Like the way that he interrupted, the way that he interrupted religious culture, the way that he sat and ate and drank with sinners face to face, that was the gospel. And this is one of those demonstrations. But I, I find it odd that the Pharisees catch this one. What are they doing snooping? I mean, you know, you, you think they're probably all peeping Tom little perverts. I don't know. I just, I have an issue with it. And, and we call it woman caught in adultery, but I've heard it better phrased entitled men caught throwing rocks. And the woman's caught in adultery. They throw him before Jesus. Or they throw her before Jesus. And, and uh, most of you know the story. But basically they said, well, the law says we should stone her. And uh, interrupted his sermon, by the way. The law says we should stone her. Can you imagine a sermon being interrupted with a possibly naked woman caught in adultery thrown right before the audience and the teacher? And they were doing this to accuse her and accuse him but Jesus was willing to step in and take the stone Jesus says if you don't have any sin in your life then go ahead throw the stones and they began to drop their stones starting with the older to the younger because as you get old you realize that we're not perfect and we don't have it all together right Come on, somebody. There's something that comes with age of wisdom that you realize, and there should be humility that comes with that. But, but then no one was left but her and Jesus. I love that, man. Nobody was left but her and the Lord. No more whispering, no more sounds of Pharisees and religious folks talking, no more of the threat of these stones to be tossed at her and possibly end her life. It was a very brutal way that they would kill human beings. Jesus stepped in the middle. He says, where are your accusers? She says, they're not here, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What a powerful demonstration of the gospel that Jesus comes in and he says, woman, it's a new day for you. 
And I have a revelation for you that's going to change your life. That I'm willing to go so low and stoop that low into your mess that I'll take the stone for you. Later on in the story, you know, in John chapter 8, in fact, we see the verse that I opened up with, that Jesus is the light of life. And, um, and light is powerful. You know, Jesus revealed the heart of the Father, and light, light exposes. But light, you know, we think about the Father. There's something powerful about the Father, uh, about the way that the Father sees. The way, there's something about how when something's gone noticed, a father can see it. There are some things that, that even moms might not see, but dads can see it. And there's something in the revelation of the Godhead, that the revelation of the Father, that the Father steps in. There's a strength where not only is there light that, that brings uh, freedom, because without light, there can't be healing. Without transparency, there can't be true healing and freedom. But there's something about a Father that calls it as it is, not only saying that you're loved and I love you, but also cut it out. Come on, somebody. Like the strength of a father. And we see this in the story. Jesus says, I'm not condemning you. I'm rewriting your story. It's a new day for you. But when you get up off this dirt and off this ground, I want you to live and walk your life differently because of the encounter of this love that is being shown to you. Because it's a new day. There's something about his mercies are new every morning. And the new covenant, I believe his mercies are new every breath. What does it look like to receive grace? What does it look like to uh, allow God to break the cycle of this, this, this whisper that almost becomes a shout, this whisper that we're not enough, or this whisper that we're not loved, or this whisper that we're going to be abandoned or forsaken again, or this whisper, this lying whisper that says that we're alone. But God says, no, you're not alone. I'm rewriting your history. I'm rewriting your story. And I'm wiping the slate clean. And it's a new day for you. And when you get up off this ground, you're going to walk, come on, with your head high and your shoulders back because you've encountered the love of Jesus. You've encountered the gospel. You've encountered the light of life. And when you follow him, you cannot walk in darkness because when you walk in darkness, you stumble. I don't know about you, but I think whispers are kind of annoying. The very sound of whispering, right? The sight of whispering. What, what kind of secrets are you telling? Children do it, you know. There's a sound that the enemy tries to release. There's, sometimes there's these reoccurring echoes of lies that try to come back in and haunt us as children of God. What are the lying whispers that the enemy tries to hurl at you? Sometimes we don't realize that some of the greatest battles we face in life are words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. If you have your heart open and you allow yourself to bow to the substance of a word, whether it's death, life, truth, or lie, it will affect your being. It will affect your heart. It will affect the way you live your life out. And when we walk in a new day, we hear the sound of the Father's voice and the sound of the Father's heart beating for us. And every lying whisper is broken under that weight. Sometimes there's whispers that we hear and sometimes there's whispers we seem like we can't unhear. 
I think one of the loudest whispers that drowned out sometimes the encouragement, the truth, the good things that we've learned is this lie that says you're not. It's the very first lie, actually, if you read Genesis. What did the serpent, what did this evil satanic being, the devil, tempt the, uh, the people of God, Adam and Eve, with? It was that, no, you, you're not like God. That's why you need to partake of this. The lie from the very beginning was that they were not what they already were. Sometimes we try to drown out the, the whisper with other noise, the noise of, I just want to be loved. I just want to be heard. I just want to be seen. I just want to be worth love. I want to be enough. There's something about the unseen realm that I remember growing up, spending a lot of time in prayer, and, and I would hear the phrase, like, spend time in the spirit, which is the unseen realm, right? I felt like I spent so much time in the unseen realm that nobody saw me. <laughs> nobody saw me. Like, is anyone going to see me? God sees you. The Father sees you. When no one else sees you, the Father sees you. This is why we, ask to, we have to ask God, I want your eyes so that I could see people for who they really are. I lived in the unseen room so much I was hidden with Christ in God, like Colossians chapter 3. And it took a dad to see me. It took a spiritual father to call out destiny inside of me. My kids sometimes will joke around, there's things. I, as a parent, I don't know about you, but I love moments where I can say, I told you so. <laughs> I love it. I'm just like, you know, I, I don't feel like it's appropriate. It would seem a little arrogant to say that to parishioners, but I'll say it to my kids. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Every once in a while, maybe, you know. Maybe a young adult that acts silly and I'd say, hey, don't do that. And then they fall flat on the face. I told you so. But when my kids, there's things that I don't know why, but as a father, I just see. There's just things I see. There's things I see. And, and, and what's powerful about the love of a father, the, the love of the father is courageous enough and furious enough to call out lies and break the power of them. Even lies that, that might cage us and hold us and confine us into not living the way that we're created to. And I see that in the story. I see the Father manifesting his love through Jesus in this moment. And uh, I remember Layla was really little and we would whispers can be annoying but there's there's another whisper that I think can be very healing and it's the whisper of the still small voice of heaven and my my daughter Layla we often would I would mess around I would tell her I said Layla uh, out of all the kids you're my favorite but don't tell the rest and it just became our thing and I would whisper it you're my favorite and as she grew up she knows that she's daddy's favorite a matter of fact, there, there, there is this thing over her that's almost like a, like a guard, a holy covering that protects her from feeling like she's not enough because she knows that whisper. 
But what I love is that Layla, as she learned this, she would whisper in my ear, you're my favorite. (laughs) And there is truth that the Lord speaks into our being. You know, later on in John chapter 8, it's where we see the the famous verse that Satan is the the father of lies. See, when we listen to the father of lies, uh, our entire existence is warped. But when we hear the Father of lights, we soar in our true identity. Can you say amen? Amen. There's not a lying word or whisper that can cage you anymore because it's a new day. I want to read to you just a couple of those verses in John chapter 8 after Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I don't know about you, but I want the light of life. I want to follow Jesus. Then he goes on and he's, the Pharisees, they they just want to literally kill him. At the end of the chapter, they picked up stones to throw at him now. Because he said, before Abraham was, I am. Which of course is referencing the name that God said to Moses. Moses, who should I say is sending me. And God says, I am. And when Jesus said this, he was literally declaring himself to be God. John 8, 58. Declaring himself as one with the Father. But the whole chapter is him, hey, you don't know the Father. He's telling the Pharisees. And then he calls him out and says, your father is the devil, and he's a liar. I want to read this one verse to you. And I I pray, and this is where, this is the chapter if, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And here is the truth I want to tell you right here, where Jesus exposes the lies, and he says in John 8, 44, you of, are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He's a murderer from the beginning. Here's what I want to tell you right now. The enemy is a liar. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. The context of this is when the Pharisees were trying to speak words that were against the very identity of the Son of God. And Jesus replied with a a powerful voice that says, You ain't nothing but a lie. Come on, somebody. Something should rise up within us that should be like a warrior. When we feel like words are trying to break through into our reality and our existence that are contrary to what God says about us, we should have enough authority and audacity to break the power of them and say, that's a lie. And when we walk in this authority and this power, later on, Jesus, in verse 47, he says, he was of God. God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear because you're not of God. What is he saying? He said, and they're accusing Jesus of having a demon and all this stuff. It's a wild chapter, man. It's a wild conversation. It was a fierce conversation. I guarantee you it was a very fierce conversation. I love the way Jesus ends it. Before Abraham was, I am. Like he just straight up smacked him upside their head verbally. Come on, somebody. Before Abraham was, I am. When the I am speaks, every word contrary to the I am is broken and has no power. I love this, man. 
What does it mean to... How do, we, how do we walk this out? How do, we, how do we live in a place where these lying words, whispers, voices, labels, lies have no more authority over us? Have you ever been to a place where you're, you just feel like, okay, I'm done? Anybody? Yeah. Like, I'm done. Yeah. Some, has there ever been driving on the road and somebody cuts you off? I'm just kidding. I, I, have you ever just been fed up, though? Like, I'm done. You know, I want to encourage you that in, in the time that you're absolutely weak and you feel like completely giving up, that's beautiful because it's in the moment that you cease to act and you, and you just say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. That's the very moment you receive God's grace to overcome and rise up. I don't know about you, but I'm receiving freedom right now in my own life. I'm preaching to myself. Because when there's times it's like, God, I, you know, I, I don't want to fight this battle again. He's like, then don't, because those words are not from me. Why is it that some of the greatest battles we fight are not with people? or not, They're with words that have substance in the unseen realm. When we realize what God is saying, He's saying it's a new day. You don't have to believe that the Satan is the father of lies. But I am the father of lights. And I've come to expose and heal and set free. And I've also come to be your defender. I've also come to set the record straight. Come on, somebody. If words have come against you to label you or destroy your reputation just like they did to the Son of God, just like they did to the woman caught in the act of adultery, exposing her reputation, Jesus shows up and stoops down in the dirt and rewrites her story because it's a new day. And if it's a new day for her, it's a new day for us. And there is a sound of heaven a still small voice, and I want to encourage you. This is how you receive grace in closing. This is how you receive grace. You give up. As a new, a new year is upon us, my prayer is the first day of the year that we would start the year with a total surrender. And surrender is not religious activity. Surrender is not you mustering up faith to trust Jesus. Oh, okay, okay, I'm going to trust you, Lord. Like, everything, because of our fallen humanity, everything is just so religious. it's, It's always based on our effort to get and earn God's attention and love and just stop with that religious hamster wheel. Get off the hamster wheel. It doesn't go anywhere. Surrender is not some religious exercise. It's not an action. It's the ceasing of an action. And that's the moment you receive God's grace. And that's the moment you hear his still small voice. And that whisper drowns out every lie and label And all the whispers that says, you're not. He says, you are. I was telling my wife this week, I said, honey, you have no idea how awesome you are. 
She's like, oh, just stop it. She didn't say that. I don't remember what she said, but it just sounded like something she'd say. I say, you know, you remind me of Debbie Titus. I said, I'm like Larry Titus, my spiritual dad. You're like our spiritual mama, Debbie Titus. You have a powerful voice. You're a mama. I want to speak that to you too. There's so much greatness inside of you. Every single one of you in this room, you're destined for greatness. I just see the, the affection of the Father just descending and crashing into the hearts of people all across this room. I see it hitting you, sir. I just see like the Lord with the beard. Maybe I'm drawn to you because you have a beard, but I just see the, I can hear the Father saying, you are my son in whom my soul delights. There's so much love and there's so much fury in his voice too. It's so powerful. It silences the enemy. <laughs> It silences the accuser. I was telling my wife this week, I said, you're like Debbie Titus. Don't forget it. Don't forget it when the enemy tries to come in and lie. Remember who God says you are. It's a new day. It's a new season. The old has passed, the new has come. And we are to be a people that learn how to receive grace, just like Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. His grace is displayed and manifested perfectly in our weakness. His grace is not only received, listen, but manifested when you have nothing left to give. I can't do this anymore, Lord. Perfect. It's a divine setup. 2022 sucked. Perfect. It's a divine setup. A lot of stuff happened last year, and I didn't like it. God's like, perfect. Because I'm going to give you grace, and you're going to rise up and overcome like you never have before because it's a new day. Can you say amen? amen. I want to close with this concept of not forcing things to happen. I, I, you know, fortunately, I have a car that has an automatic, like, trunk, and it's supposed to work if you have the key in your car, you walk up and so if I have luggage or groceries or something, I can just put my leg under like that and the trunk just opens. I like to do it when I'm at Wegmans because I'm showing off, you know, like I have a really cool car. And, uh, but sometimes I forget that you can't close the trunk. You can't force it closed. It like fights you. You're like, oh, what's going on? Like there's something hindering it from closing. There's a little button. And, and I had to get used to it. There's just a little button. You just push the button and it closes automatically. Sometimes you do that with grace, trying to force something to happen. Like, no, just, just let go and let God. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, are you tired and worn out and burnt by religion? Walk with me. Learn of me. Yoke yourself to me. Learn, I love the way Eugene Peterson translates it. Listen, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. <laughs> How do we learn that? Listen to his heart 
and allow the sound from his heart beat in yours. Allow the sound of the heart of the Father and the rhythm of the heart of the Father to change the rhythm of your heartbeat and my heartbeat. Because it's a new day. Can you say amen? I want to pray for you. Would you just lift your hearts to the Lord? You don't have to lift your hands if you don't want to, if you want to receive like that. I can feel the weight of his love. And like there are times I need somebody to encourage me. I've had fathers, prophets, and mothers, and strong warriors, intercessors. At times in my life, they step in and they break word curses over me. And, 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 and times where I feel like I'm David hiding in the cave of Adullam and God reminds me, he says, you don't even realize all these people that are with you, the misfits, the mavericks, the people, they're going to turn into mighty warriors. They're going to release the reign of the kingdom. And there's times that there are words that are spoken contrary. And I, I want to take just one second. I want to break every lying word and whisper over your life that is contrary to what the Father says about you. Every lie I break now in Jesus' name. <sighs> Soar in your identity as a son and a daughter. Right now in Jesus' name. I love you. I want to see you walk with God this year like never before. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Rise up. It's a new day. Rise up. He told the woman, where are your accusers? The Lord has silenced the accusations of the enemy. And he says, rise up. Now live your life the way you were created to. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message and we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.